My name is Sandy, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sandy. And I want to thank Marge for inviting me to come here and share my experience, strength, and hope. Can you hear me? Everybody can hear me. Because <clears throat> I can't tell how loud I'm speaking. I have a hearing problem besides a drinking problem. Um, my uh, sobriety date is January 13th, 1983. And um, I didn't come into these rooms willingly. It, I kicked and screamed. Um, I had a hard time believing I was an alcoholic. Um, I honestly thought that alcohol was the solution to my problems, not my problem. It took me a long time to realize, um, and I'm so grateful today that I found these rooms because it saved my life. You're new, and um, you've started to see the miracles already start to happen in your life. Just keep coming back. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that because life, you know, life is. Um, I guess I thought when I walked into these rooms, everything was going to get better immediately, and it doesn't, but it sure did improve over the way I was living before, and, uh, and today my life is, um, is really great, and I'm grateful for that. I, um, I, the, they tell you to tell uh, how, what it was like, how I got here, and what it's like today, and what it was like was hell. Uh, I was born into an, what I thought was a normal um, middle-class American family. Uh, I had a father and a mother, and I had um, two, two sisters and two brothers, two older and two younger. And um, I was right smack in the middle and uh, never felt like I belonged in that house, always felt different. Uh, I know from the very beginning, from the time I could remember, I didn't think I was wanted. Uh, I remember my mother telling me that she didn't want me. But I can understand now today, uh, because I had an older sister and an older brother, and that was really an ideal family in those days. But my father didn't know when to stop, so she just kept having children. And my father was an alcoholic, although in those days we didn't call him an alcoholic. We called him a drunk. And, um, and our house was chaotic, um, from the time I can remember. One thing you never did was tell anybody on the outside what was going on in that house. Um, you didn't talk about your feelings. Uh, you just didn't. And nobody talked about dad's drinking. It was just like that elephant in the middle of the room you hear. Um, there, was no, there was no abuse in my family as far as physical abuse, but there was sure a lot of mental and emotional abuse. Um, I, I just know that as I grow up, I never, I never felt like I belonged anywhere, but I tried to fit in with the kids that I was going to school with, and so I was always what they wanted me to be. I was a people pleaser, they call it today. I, I could be in with the crowd that was smart, and I could be in with the dumb crowd. I could be in with the bad guys and the good girls. It just, uh, it depended on who I was with at the time, and that was... I always think of a chameleon and how they blend in, and I blended in. Just right in the middle of everything. I never wanted to be in the front of the class or in the back of the class, just right in the middle so nobody would notice me. But in the, on the inside, I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted to be that person that everybody liked, but I was always afraid. Like I heard somebody say the other day, I never wanted to raise my hand in school because even if I was convinced I had the answer, I was afraid. Uh, I was afraid I might be wrong, and then I'd be singled out or laughed at. Um, I didn't start drinking at a young age. I um, 
I'm not sure why, I guess because the crowd I went around with didn't drink early, because I hear a lot of people who started, you know, in their uh, early teens. But I, I might have had a few sips of alcohol um, from my father when I was younger, but I don't remember it ever being that important to me um, until I turned uh, older teenage years. My, my um, first drunk was when I was 15 years of age, and I lost my virginity the same night. So I got drunk on wine that night, and it made me sick. Um, and so I never, I wouldn't drink wine for a long time after that, unless I was desperate. And if towards the end, if I, it was all I had in the house, then I would drink it. But I really always blamed uh, that getting sick on that wine. And yet, I know today it was because I overdrank. Um, I couldn't wait to get out of my house and. In those days, the only way women either got out were to go to college or to get married. I didn't. Um, I I wasn't going to go to college. I took the business course in school. So um, I met a man who asked me to marry him, and it sounded like a good idea to me. You know, at those, in those days, I'm not even sure if I knew what love was. We were both uh, 18 years of age, and. Uh, he, his mother was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic, and we started out on this journey of days of wine and roses, really. Um, we, I found myself at the age of 24 with four children, a house in the suburbs, and um, I was introduced to neighbors who were older than we were, and uh, she introduced me to the afternoon gin and tonic, and I fell in love for the first time. Um, it just seemed to be the tonic that I needed to, um, to make me sociable, to make me pretty, to make me be able to uh, be everything that I always wanted to be and not have to pretend. Uh, my, you know, my, the words just came naturally. And, um, but right away, that, that caused a problem with my husband. Now, this is funny because he never wanted his wife to drink. Yet he met me um, at a booze party that he threw at his house. And now, like I said, his mother was an alcoholic, so he had a real thing about women drinking. But only when they drank not around him. Uh, If he was with me, it was okay. But uh, if he... You know, if I drank by myself with these women, he got mad, and so the fight started right away. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but he was he was an alcoholic himself. Uh, I didn't know that at the time. I thought, you know, he was just being um, miserable to me, and uh, but it didn't stop me. I found every excuse I could, and I would face the consequences afterwards, and there were definitely consequences Meantime, these four children are growing up in this crazy house with these people fighting constantly about this drinking. Um, we, we, uh, he tried the, the first, well, I always call it the first cure. We tried uh, geographical where we moved to another area um, 40 miles down the road back in the boondock, so to speak, so that there was no neighbors around because he was blaming my drinking on the neighbors. Um, It didn't take long. Uh, For the first couple months, I was fine getting the house, you know, ready for uh, when we moved and getting everything settled. 
unpacked and the kids settled in school. And I went for a ride one day up the top of our road and probably for three or four miles there were three or four liquor stores. And in and we lived in Maryland out on the East Coast and in Maryland they had supermarkets full of alcohol. It was just not supermarkets but just alcohol stores. Where I lived it was a state store or a beer distributor. So this was like a kid in a candy store. I could get a shopping cart and just go through this <laughs> liquor store and um and I did. Um, so when he comes home from work and I'm drinking, um, then the fights start again. So then I decide, my my youngest was five years old, he was going to kindergarten, and I decided to go to work part-time because it was the loneliness, the boredom that was causing me to do this. So I go to work part-time. So I went to work in a school cafeteria. And that um, that, like everything, it worked for a little while. But then... Um, if I, there was ever a problem, then I'd pick up a drink and I'd drink it. Now, my drink normally was beer. I like beer, but I would drink vodka. But if there was nothing else in the house, then I would drink whatever was there. And so this one particular day, I took a shot of whiskey, and I never drank it by itself. I always drank it in something sweet. So it might have been Kool-Aid or iced tea or something like that, but I just took this shot of whiskey. But whiskey has a strong odor to it. Not that everything doesn't after a while, but I went to to the cafeteria. My shift didn't start until 10, and one of the ladies in the cafeteria says, I think I smell alcohol. And I was... I was so embarrassed. I She didn't say she thought it was me, but she thought she smelled it on someone. And uh, because the big thing about image, I always had to look good. It wanted, you know, make sure that I looked like the perfect wife and the perfect mother. What was going on on the inside, you didn't know. But on the outside, I had it all together. So I came home that day, and I talked to, to my husband, and I said, I, I think I might have some problems and I wanted to go to see a psychologist and he said that's fine um you know he was willing to do it. he he bought me everything he gave me whatever I wanted trying to make me happy and I always made him think that it was his job to make me happy but there's no job for him to make me happy. It's an inside job. But I've found all this, all this that I'm telling you, I have found out about myself since I've come to Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know this um, until then. But um, I went to see this psychologist, and I would sit there, and that was probably the most honest I had been in, a, in my entire life. And I'm telling this guy about my life, and, and I look over, and he's asleep. Well, yeah, I mean, you think, you talk about a boring life, Um, I'm putting this guy to sleep, right, and I'm paying him money to do this, but you know, I went week after week because I never had the nerve to speak up for myself, I just never did, I did think of this late at night when I was drinking, I would say, you know, I should tell him, I was always going to tell him exactly what I thought, but I never was able to do it. So after about six months of that, I, I f- came up with an excuse that my daughter, I think she was about 14 at the time, she was my oldest, was getting, she needed braces on her teeth, and we couldn't afford to do both. 
And I'm sure he was sorry to see me go because that was an easy $50 a, a week that he was getting from me. But it w- I didn't feel like it had done me any good. So then my next um, idea was to go to work full time because this would give me even less time to drink. So I, I got a full time job in a restaurant. I started out in the kitchen working in the kitchen area and up um, managing the restaurant over a period of years. But I never believed that I was successful or good enough to do that. So it wasn't long before the drinking started to continue and uh, got worse. Um, I would arrange my hours so that I'd go in in the afternoon and work until 10 o'clock at night. And by that time, my kids would be in bed and... Dave might be up, but he wouldn't be up for long. And then when he went to bed, then I would sit up at night and drink. Now, he's told me afterwards all he would hear is the beer the beer cans popping. or the. I tried to be quiet, but it never worked. Um, he would always listen and hear. I always blamed him for my drinking, him and the kids. I thought if he would only let me drink the way I wanted to, that things would be okay, that if he had, he has, he was always after me. Now, mind you, he was going out and doing his thing, but it wasn't okay for me to do it. And see, I never thought that was fair. So I, I talked him into, I said, you know, we were married so young, and I never really had a social life. So I think we need to go out. At this point, my daughter was old enough to babysit the other kids, and um, we would go out on a Saturday night. Now, we were not making a whole lot of money, so we maybe have a $20 bill in those days. was a pretty decent night out. But it wasn't if both of us were drinking. So I would get mad at him because he was drinking me drink for drink, and then it was less that I could have. And those days, we didn't... We never had it in the house just to have it around. So whatever I did out is what I got to drink. The drink, the drinking that I did was in private, you know, where I had my stock hidden. Or we would buy a case of beer for company, supposedly. And then I would drink them, fill them back up with water, and tape the tops on them, put them in the back of the refrigerator so he wouldn't see them. The problem with that was if somebody came over and he was offering them, once in a great while he'd pick up one of the bottles that was nothing but water and, and a taped top, you know. I think I'm being clever. He's already, he's known it, and he's, you know, he's doing it to show me up. Um, he got to to the point where he would mark bottles, and I thought I was clever, so I would buy a bottle and mark it. And you know, but what ha- what ends up happening is if you keep pouring water in it long enough, there's no there's no liquor back in it, and you have to go get more. It it really is. Now you look back on it now. At the time, I didn't think it was hard work, but it really is hard work to be able to drink the way we wanted to drink. Um, I decide then that it's just too much for me. I can't work because it's the working that's causing me to drink now. So I said, I come to home to him, and he said, okay, you can quit. Now, that was quite a, um, a loss of salary that we took when I did that. But like I said, he would do anything to try and please me. So um, for six months... We, um, we fought back and forth because the drinking got worse when I was home. 
So then we decide. Now, all this time, probably for the last five years before I got sober, we were separating once a year because the problems had gotten too great. Um, and so this last time I asked him to leave. I don't think I intended for him to come back. Um, and he moved in with his brother. And um, the drinking got worse. And then I decided I didn't think I wanted to live by myself because I had never lived by myself. I went from my father's house to my husband's house. So we um, we got back together and we decided we would go to counseling. Uh, somebody from work had sent him to the employee's assistance program because he was having problems at work. And they they tricked me into going by saying I was going for my daughter because my, my daughter was now having problems with alcohol and drugs. And so they said, would you be willing, before you and your husband separate for good, would you be willing to uh, go to counseling to see to get your family straightened out and I said of course I would do that because I was the perfect mother and uh, the fact that I had neglected these kids for all these years uh, I mean I did the basics for them but I think about it today I don't even remember a lot of their childhood um, you know because I was under the influence especially the last years uh, of my son's lives but um, but anyway uh, we went to this counselor and she, uh, she proceeded to take me over and show me a chart on the wall. She showed me, it's called the bell curve, and she showed me where about, well, she said, do you understand the disease of alcoholism? And I said, yeah, my father was an alcoholic. And she said, um, well, do you know that it's in, it's, it can be inherited? And I said, yeah, I understand that. That's why I think my daughter got it. It skipped my, <laughs> skipped my generation and went right to my daughter. And uh, she, she said, well, that may be, I have to give her credit, she said, that may very well be, but this is what happens. And when you get up to here, it's just a downward slide. And uh, she said, would you be willing to quit drinking for six months while uh, you and your family go to counseling? And I said, well, sure, I'd be glad to do that because I would have no problem not drinking. And um, so I... I just quit. Um, now, like any good alcoholic, if you've got a goal in sight, I think you can do whatever you need to do. I was convinced that I needed to convince my husband that I was not an alcoholic, and I needed to convince this counselor. And so I, I did quit. Now, on the outside, I may not have looked bad, but on the inside, my body was a mass of um, nerves and shaking. Uh, and all I could do was count the months ahead uh, till we um, till we could go back to drinking. But I did. I will say this: they tricked us into it was not family counseling; it was couples counseling. And I am grateful for that because it did put my marriage back together. And um, at the end of the six months, he had been going to this employees assistance program, and they were having a banquet and. Uh, the the guest speaker was going to be Father Martin, and he said, I have to go to this because it's like a graduation ceremony. And um, I said, well, okay, we'll go. And uh, I said, but, you know, the six months over and the counseling is over, we, we can now go back to drinking. He said, all right. I said, we can stop on the way home. Now, <laughs> we go up to this employee's assistance banquet, um, both of us, and as soon as the banquet's over, I mean, it, it, Father Martin is a good speaker, 
I didn't think he had anything to say to me. He certainly had a lot of good things to say to somebody else, and he was funny. He has a, a good sense of humor. So as we're on our way home, we stop at a bar, and uh, I got drunk that first night. But, you know, I, I had the idea that you would get drunk too if you hadn't drank for six months, you know. The fact that you just keep on drinking is not a, uh, not a good thing. But that was, uh, that was uh, probably 18 months later. Well, it was a downward spiral, and that's really where I could see how the progression came in. Because we, I started out just drinking a few, and then the next thing I know, it was almost daily drinking. And um, when I got to Christmas of, two, of uh, 1982... I was having blackouts, and I didn't know what a blackout was. I thought I was losing my mind. Uh, I would put things somewhere, and then I couldn't remember where I put them. I was baking cookies, and I had a rolling pin, and I didn't find that rolling pin until I was sober for five years. Um, but the worst part was I would hide money, and then I wouldn't know where I hid it, and um, it was money for Christmas presents. So I was beginning to worry about my sanity not my drinking, mind you, it was my sanity. And then um, Christmas was a particularly hard time, um, and, and my husband was drinking a lot. And then um, on New Year's Eve, he put the drink down, and he stopped. Now, he didn't admit he was an alcoholic, and uh, he just stopped drinking. But that dynamic changed something in our lives. I say today he detached from me with hate, um, and it was just indifference. And so for the next 13 days, I saw I, I couldn't predict his behavior because he just was he just didn't care. We, I would always have to worry about when he came home, he used to I, he used to think he was kissing me, but I know he was smelling my breath. Um, he would check my uh, the odometer on my car to see if I went out that day and how far I went. And he was always checking bottles. So he just stopped doing that. And it was completely foreign behavior to me. And I don't know if that's what did it or if it was just my own personal bottom. But on, on January 13th, I woke up that morning. The day before I had had a blackout, I was talking to my son's teacher on the phone and I don't remember what the conversation was about. And when it was all over with, I was just appalled at that because I thought, what if I said something? You know, these are my, like I said, no matter what, it was always important for me to look good on the outside. So I didn't want this teacher to think I, I was crazy. So I thought the next day I'm going to get up and I'm not going to drink. Now, when I say that, I don't mean I was never going to drink again. I was just not going to drink. I got up and I exercised and I changed. I mean, I probably got a shower and washed my hair for the first time in a long time because my habit was just to stay in my in my robe most of the time. I didn't go out. The doors were locked. The only time I went out was when I went to go get some more booze. Um, we didn't have any friends left at this point. Um, and we were just beginning to uh, belong to a social club for football, my son's football. And um, that morning, I was doing fine, and the phone rang, and the girl wanted me to go to lunch the next day with the girls. 
She was not a friend. She was just a new acquaintance. But I knew she wanted, I knew what it was going to entail. We would go to lunch and they would have drinks. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I didn't know how to say no. I didn't want to go because I didn't want her to be offended that I didn't like her. And yet I, I never thought that I could go someplace and just say, no, thank you. I didn't want to drink. I mean, I could drink water or iced tea or, or coffee. But I just, Dave come home for lunch, which was his pattern because he's always coming to check on me. And he said, um, I said, I don't know what to do. And he says, well, make up your mind. He says, no big deal. So he goes back to work, and I thought, I'll just have one, just one, because that'll help me make up my mind. That'll help me get my mind clear. And that was my intention. I really did believe I was only going to have one. At um, 3 o'clock that afternoon, my sons were walking through the door, and I was drunk. And um, Now, my pattern for, for the last six months had been to drink. As soon as I left for school, I'd drink in the morning. And then i lay down at noon, pass out, and then I'd be awake by the time they'd come home from school and thinking that I had it all together. Right Now, I know today I didn't have it together, but that's what I thought. But when this child walked through the door, my middle son, and I looked up in his face, and I saw in those eyes what I'm sure had been in all of my children and even my husband's eyes at some point, in our lives, but I had never seen it so clear in all my life. I saw what he saw that I looked like, and um, I, I picked up the phone and called that same counselor that we had seen 18 months before that and asked her if she would, if she would get me. She said, you need to go to detox. Now, she gave me a choice of going to my local hospital, but I couldn't go there. God forbid somebody should know me there. So I went over to the next county. We went to pick up my older son, and, and Dave, and, and he took me to this detox. And they tell me today that on the way over, I knew where every liquor store was, and I wanted them to stop for just one more beer. This is going to be it, so let me have one more beer. Um, they got me to the detox, and it was a uh, psychiatric hospital. And they said, she needs to walk through the doors on her own. She needs to do that on her own. Once she gets in here, we can keep her, but we can't bring her in, and you can't carry her in. You have to talk her into walking through the doors. And I guess they must have spent some time out there talking me into it, but I walked through the doors. I'm grateful today that I did. It was probably the scariest thing I'd ever done in my life. I walked um, through those doors and into that psychiatric hospital. They put me in a, um, a room with a mattress on the floor. Um, there was no sheets because obviously they're afraid of you know suicide um, and left me in there. I remember waking up. And I mean, I guess I passed out, but I remember waking up about 2 o'clock in the morning and my mouth was so dry. I just wanted a, a drink of water really so bad. But I just remember thinking, it's going to be okay. For the first time in my life, I thought, it's going to be okay. Now, I didn't know what that meant because I didn't know what was ahead of me. But um, I spent seven days in that detox. It was a psychiatric hospital, so like I said... We went to um, we went to belt making and leather, you know, and you had to draw pictures. And I went, you know, you would see a psychiatrist, and they tried to convince me to stay in that hospital and get my mind right, and the drinking would take care of itself. 
Thank God, Alcoholics Anonymous also came into that hospital. And they gave us the message because they knew what I was. And they they uh, gave me the message that you get your drinking right, or get your drinking under control, or get your drinking, stop drinking, and the psychiatric problems or mental, emotional problems will take care of themselves. I'm grateful today that I listened to that um, to those people. There was also uh, uh, someone in there who said, you know, you might want to think about going to uh, a rehab, a treatment center. And so I called Dave and I said to him, they say that I, I probably should go to a treatment center. So he called that counselor and she said, this is one of those minor coincidences I believe God has a role, uh, hand in. She said, Father Martin is just opening his new rehab that same week. And she said, uh, I think we can get you in. And so I went there. Um, that thir- It was a week later on Thursday. And I walked in the front door, and he was standing there, and he put his hand out. And this time I was glad to see him. This time I think I think he had something to say to me. I spent 28 days in a treatment center. I say today that I discovered about the disease of alcoholism in that treatment center, but it was here in Alcoholics Anonymous that I learned a recovery of this disease. Um, that it was a 12-step program, and they taught you about the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. They took us to outside meetings, and they brought meetings into us. Um, I the the first Saturday night I heard my story and I couldn't believe it. It was hard to believe that somebody had lived a very similar life to me. I remember hearing her say, "I drank vodka because I thought you couldn't smell it," and I thought, "Oh, I thought I was the only one who thought that." You know what I mean? But I know today when you drink anything in excess, it's coming out your pores. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I probably could have bought stock in Hall's Mentholiptus. I sucked on so many. <laughs> of them trying to to hide the smell and like I said you can tell if you couldn't tell in in the smell you certainly could tell by my demeanor that I was that I was drunk but you know these are all um, (laughs) tricks that we think we're doing you know Um, I I came out of that treatment center and I went to my first meeting um, the next day I had a contact and she met me there And it was a step meeting. It was on the 11th step. um, And they asked if it was anybody's first meeting, and I raised my hand. Although it wasn't my first meeting ever, it certainly was the first meeting outside a treatment center. And I just remember the people in that room directed that meeting at me. And that was such a welcoming feeling. I'm not so sure. I think I'm not real sure because I can remember about three to six months thinking, well, you know, because I went to meetings in my hometown. I wasn't sure that I wanted to do that at first, but I started going. I thought I might have been a little bit too young for this organization. (laughs) I was 38, and the people around this table were in their 60s, and I thought, hmm. Now, they weren't all a long time sober like we are out here. These were people who... um, had maybe a two years more than I did. And I thought, uh, this 
this might not be for me, you know. Maybe I jumped the gun. I think I'm just a child of an alcoholic, because by this point I had heard that term thrown around. And definitely was a child of an alcoholic, but I was also an alcoholic. I'm grateful today that I kept coming back. I just kept coming back. Even sometimes when I didn't understand everything that was going on, I kept coming back. Because slowly but surely the miracles started to happen in my life. Um, my husband came with me a lot of times to the meetings. And uh, while he, I was in a treatment center, he was introduced to Al-Anon. Um, and he joined Al-Anon and jumped in with both feet, mainly because it was a bunch of women. And he could be, you know, he could be the king, uh, king, king of the domain, so to speak. Um, but we went together. And after about a year or so, we got introduced mainly through the Al-Anon people uh, to, uh, I guess there were six or eight of us that were couples, newly, newly, new in sobriety, who were trying to do this together. Now, I was the only woman in the, in the AA part of it, and he was the only man in the Al-Anon part of it. But they included us, and, um, and the men in, in uh, AA treated Dave as warmly as they treat them as we treat everyone they just they just embraced him and so we learned a lot about this program not just in the meeting but in the outside social life I mean we went to coffee after the meetings we went to conventions we did a lot of things together we had parties at each other's homes and that was important in the early in the early years because we still had you know we were still relatively young and Social life in those in our day only consisted of drinking. I mean, my whole world was built around drinking. If we didn't go a place where they served alcohol, if we didn't go out to dinner. You know, we didn't go there for dinner. Our friends were all drinkers. Um, so to have friends that were doing the same thing that we were doing was really great. Um, we we started on this journey. There were you know there were bumps and along the way with for both of us. Um, but when we got into this program, we had been married 19 years. Today, if we make it till November, we'll be married 50 years. So that's, that's quite a testament to this program because we would have never been. We were on our way to being divorced back then. We would have never made it without this program and the people in it. Um, I, have four, I told you I had four children. Um, after I was sober... Almost two years, my daughter and my son went into rehab. They were both uh, having problems. And um, my daughter has stayed sober um, all these years. My son decided right after he got out of treatment, he went back out. Actually, he was smoking weed in treatment, we found out afterwards. But um, So he went out for a, another nine or ten months. Now he's he came back in, and uh, he's been sober. Um, so she's been sober 28 years, and he's been sober 27. And then I have a third son who went into another treatment center, and he's been sober 25. He'll be 25 years this October. I have a younger son who's uh, he went in the Marine Corps when he was 17, mainly to get away from that family. And, um, and he spent 13 years in Hawaii while he was in in the Marine Corps, they put him through treatment because he was having problems with alcohol. He stayed sober for a year on, out, on uh, an abuse 
But then they let him out of that program, and he went back to drinking. Now, he got married shortly before he got out of the Marine Corps, and he had a special needs son. So he stopped drinking heavily. He he told me the other day he credits his wife and family for that. But um, what, when he had the baby, uh, they had no idea what their future was going to hold. They had moved out here to Arizona. So Dave and I decided that we would once again turn our will and our life over to God's care. And we said, if our house sells, then we'll move out to Arizona and help Jim and Leslie out. And uh, we put the house up for sale, and it sold. And we found ourselves in Arizona, I guess, going on 13 years ago. Um, that little guy will be 13 in April. And um, we have never regretted it one day since we've been out here. First of all, we found, um, we found so many people, so many friends out here. We found a, I call it paradise. I mean, who wouldn't want to live here? You have to put up with three or four months of heat, but so what? You know, it's better than that snow that we had back east. So um, we're grateful for that. Um, they're now separated my son and his wife and so he started to drink again pretty heavily and uh, I don't doubt I hope I I turn him over to God every day and I hope that someday he finds himself back in these rooms um, where I'm pretty sure he belongs but I always say usually say when I speak alcoholism doesn't run in my family it gallops through because you know there's so many I mean Dave's got brothers on his side I've had one brother that's already died um, of the disease and I have another brother I'm sure is making his way here the two sisters are in Al or should be in Al-Anon they're not but they should be um, it is a family disease and it wrecks families it really does I have managed to put that family back together because of this program we are good friends with our kids today I am I will always regret that I wasn't the mother that I could have been. Uh, I blame my mother for a lot of years for my my problems. I know today my mother was doing the best she could, and I believe today I did the best I could with those children. I heard I was watching a show today, and the the lady, she, her daughter was getting ready to go to college, and she was so sad, you know, the empty nest thing. And I thought, you know, I missed out on that because my daughter went away to college, and I think I couldn't wait to get rid of her. I was in the last two years of my drinking, and it was like we couldn't wait for those kids to turn 18 so they could get out of my house. And now I wish today, you know, that I had those years back. But I know that um, I'm doing the best I can today to make up, to make amends for those years. I try to be the best mother I can be today. I have nine grandchildren, actually ten because one's married. But um, none of those grandchildren have ever seen us drink. And um, we, we have family functions, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter, and we all get together and we laugh and we have a good time and there's no alcohol involved at all. Um, and I try to be the best example of what this program is about. Um, I, I put out my hand to the newcomer and I, um, I try to walk this walk and not just talk this talk. I have a sponsor. She's sitting right over there. Uh, I'm grateful for her today. She's a, also a very good friend of mine. When I first came out here, we went to the surprise group out in uh, Surprise 
Um, and she was one of the first ones to put her hand out and welcome us into uh, that home group and asked us to go out afterwards, and that's just exactly what we had back there. And so, I, I mean, although I miss my friends back east, I don't miss the place because I, I have as many good friends here today. Um, this man that's sitting next to me is the man I talk about throughout the thing. He is my husband. Today, he's one of us. He came in through the back doors of Al-Anon. Um, he needed to be here. Well, he actually stopped drinking. He's got two weeks on me because he stopped drinking two weeks before I did. Um, I put in all the hard work and he got the glory. That's what I always say. But <laughs> I am. I will be forever grateful. We have such a good life today. We have been to, I think it's six uh, internationals. I would never... I would never have, I would have never lived this long, I know that, because I would have probably blown my brains out if not taken a handful of pills. My my um, mental emotional state was so bad. My physical, I was still doing okay, but my mental emotional state was so bad that I um, I couldn't have kept going. I, uh, I'm grateful to the people in AA and to a God of my understanding because AA took me back to that God of my understanding. Well, I was a childhood um uh, I, my mother drug us to church, and I couldn't wait to get away from church. And when I um, got to this program, uh, I saw God in the steps, and I thought, oh, no, here we go again, you know. But I am grateful that you all gave me the opportunity to come to a God of my own understanding. doesn't have to be the one um, you believe in. doesn't have to be the one that's preached on the TV or wherever in the churches. It just has to be the one that I understand. And um, he's good to me today. I turn my will my life over to him every morning. I've gotten so, uh, well, for the last five years, we went to a big book study, and we started reading page 84 to 88 every day. And it, it, just, it just starts my day off right, and uh, it makes me stay in the here and now. And um, I live that 10th and 11th step on a daily basis and try and try to keep my own side of the street clean. Sometimes, I mean, I might sit here and sound like I think I'm perfect, but I'm not by no means. I, uh, I still have a lot, a lot of character defects, a lot of um, things that I do wrong. But I know today that, uh, that I'm forgiven as long as I'm willing to start again. The, the, the thing that, that helps me the most is the living one day at a time. I just take it one day at a time. I have no, I have no guarantees of the future. I don't even know that I'll have tomorrow, but I do have today. And if I take care of today right, then my tomorrows will be, they'll be good. Well, I think that's all for me. I'm grateful for you listening to me. I hope I was able to help somebody. Um, if not, as sure as hell, help me stay sober today. So, oh, I promised him I wasn't going to curse, and I did. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. <laughs>